Balancing Death Kirk is a weekly KeyForge podcast focused on competitive play. The podcast is hosted by Kita Mode and Kodamarin. The show is here for listeners to gain a better understanding of how to evaluate decks, how to evaluate their own board position, and how to anticipate opponents' decisions. Without further ado, here's this week's episode. Welcome. I am Kira Mode. I am here with Kodamarin, and today we are going to talk about card draw as promised. And we are probably the most qualified people to talk about this for a new game. Kodamron, tell us why. Card draw in uh, Keyforge is based on a card draw system in Star Wars, the card game where uh, Kiramo and I both come from. Um, I like to call this the reserve card draw system. The way it works is that at the end of your turn, you're going to draw until you have six cards in your hand. What this means is you are rewarded for playing cards on your turn. You're not drawing one card based on like uh, older games like Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh! or Pokemon. You're drawing as many cards as you have under six. If you have one card, you're going to draw five cards, and that's a much more rewarding turn than just playing one card at a time. Yeah, I mean, every card is effectively a cantrip. And so in other card games, when a card says draw on it, like it says here, you pay X amount of resources and it does a thing, but it also draws you a card, all of those cards are looked at as like, you know, the bee's knees because it allows you to continuously do stuff. In this game, every card, by merely playing it, even if it does nothing, like simply discarding the card is guaranteed to get you a new card. Like you, you can always just keep cycling through and there's value in simply dumping cards where that's not true in other games. Like other games, you kind of want to be greedy. You, you really want to hold on to stuff. It's, it's a very natural thing in other games to, to want to hold on to stuff like you're actually trained to do so so in this game we want to talk about how to abuse this reserve system as a, as a player getting into this who've never seen this sort of a, a draw system and the rule of thumb for for star wars which i think carries over very much here is if you have a card that you're not going to use right now or that that's not um that you should play all the cards that you that you can, even if it's not for the maximum value. Because drawing the card at the end of the turn is as much value as you need to get out of that card. Um, yeah, exactly. Like like that that's spot on. Like in, in other card games, if you have like let's say you're playing Hearthstone and you have a card that says deal four damage to every single creature, right? That's a card that the goal is you want to save that for the most optimal turn possible right you need you need to fuck you need to like corner your opponent and then play it at the right time because you play it too early it doesn't do enough you play it too late you already lost the game right you need to find the optimal moment and you have to wait for it but in a game like star wars you really just want to draw cards right so even if you're losing a little bit of value like you're not getting enough guys that you would want to hit the fact that you draw a card for playing it is enough value right there to just always play it right like you you just got to keep you got to jam the cards in like that that's that's what you got to do. So we, we were looking at cards that you may want to, you may want to hold on to in your first couple playthroughs when you play a turn. We think that we should be playing these cards as much as possible. So cards we have examples of Miasma. I think Miasma is a great example of a card that you should always be playing on the turn you play Shadows. Miasma says you gain an Amber and your opponent skips their next Forge a Key step. A lot of the times, if they don't have six Amber that effect is not going to do anything. And you might look at that card and say, well, maybe I should hold this until they have six amber, and that would buy me a turn to steal it. I don't think that's the case. I think nine out of ten times in the early game, 
you hold, you don't hold that card. You play it, you gain the ember, and you draw the card later. That's a big value. You yeah, might hold I'm it with late you there. game, but um, we'll talk about that. Yeah, you get, gateway to this. That's another card, right? Like you know, there are times where that card is absolutely the best card in the game. It, it and says, there's other times where it does kill nothing. all dudes and gain three chains, right? Yeah, like playing that card early game is is really bad. Like you don't want to get those chains. It's probably not getting you enough value. And you don't want to hold it, right? Because if you hold it for three turns, you're just effectively chaining yourself. So you kind of like it's, a lot of times its best value is you put it in the discard and it draws you a card, right? Like that a lot of times is the best value you can get out of gateway to this or a card like key charge. Like, like there's just certain cards that that's, that's just what you're going to get out of them. And, and you have to learn to like sort of accept that. What's nice about a lot of these is you get an amber for playing them. I think that's a huge value on a lot of these cards. There's even that Sanctum card that gains you three Ember and has no effect, which should tell <laughs> you that these cards that say maybe gain two Ember and one more if, or gain one Ember plus two if, you should be playing them for that one Ember regardless. Um, one of the cards that I've been looking at is Loot the Bodies. That's a Bravenar card that says this, you play it, you don't get an Ember, but this turn, anytime one of your opponent's creatures dies, you get a free amber. So it has a chance to give you a 3-4 amber swing. I think you should be playing this card early game. I, I find myself a lot of times in a situation where I'm holding three Brobnar creatures and loot the bodies in an early game, in, in the early game. And I really have two lines of play here. You say Brobnar, you play three guys, wait a turn, play loot the bodies, and then swing with them. Maybe that loot the bodies can get you three amber because you swung with three guys. I yep. don't think that's right. I think you're supposed to discard or use for no effect that loot the bodies just for the cycle effect, just to draw that extra card. Um, unless you know that it's going to get you a lot of amber on the next turn, it's really not doing you any favors in your hand, and you could be drawing a much better card, maybe getting you parity from your other houses and setting up your future turns. Otherwise, it's just a brick in your hand, and you should just kind of be a little sad that you're not getting any value out of it. Yeah. And, and that's a key thing. Like it's okay to be sad, right? It, it's okay to look at a card and think <laughs> it's okay you know, to be sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, look, sometimes you get a card and you're thinking if I draw this card five turns later, it's awesome. But I drew it now and it, you just got to discard it, right? Like you can't, you're basically chasing what's called like throwing away good money to get bad money. Right. So it's like that whole idea where if you're, if you're holding on to this, like you have this card, you're like, oh, it has the potential to gain me like three, four, maybe even five amber if I play it at the right time. It's like, well, but it's also holding you back from drawing cards and like just playing any random card is probably just going to get you an amber or it's going to get you a creature which you can reap for amber. Like, like, why are we holding this card? You know, especially in the early game. Like you just got to, you just got to discard it and, and feel sad, but move on with your life. So that's the early game. I think, I think the move is most of the time you're going to play all the cards of the house you choose. Um, but we were talking about there's a, the, the meat and potatoes of this game is when you get into the mid game and you're, you're hold, you've got a board of maybe five or six creatures of two different houses. You've got a hand where, where it's like you have a two, three, uh, two, four split and you're deciding, oh, do I choose Brobnar? Do I choose Sanctum this turn? Do I choose Shadows to Steal? Do I choose Mars to get my cool effects? This is where playing cards, I think, has a different value. Like my sort of rule with this, so like I, I, like for the for the thing we just talked about, I would say that my general rule is on any given turn, whatever house you pick, 
you play or discard every single card in your hand, right? Just as a rule. And then we, we'll talk about exceptions later, but by and large, 95% of the time, every card of the house you pick, you playing or discarding. Now, as for the mid game, like you talked about, where there's like a lot, bunch of 50-50s, it's a little bit different when you have board cards on the table because like if I have, say, four Sanctum guys on the board and one Sanctum card in hand versus three Mars cards in hand and no cards on the board, it's a, there's a really good case you made that you should always pick Sanctum because you effectively have five cards, right? Like the cards you have on the board are cards you can use. So, you know, you can look at it that way. Like, and, and the way I look at it is I say cards plus board. So I, I will generally look at my turns and say, okay, I'm going to look at all three of my houses, count up how many cards I can play and how many cards on the board I can use. And, you know, if a card's a brick in my hand, I kind of count it as like half a card because it's only values it's going to cycle. And if a card's like stunned on the board, I don't really count it as a character either. Or maybe the card's exhausted because someone played the untamed card that exhausts three. Maybe it's worth like a half a point. Yeah, yeah. Like they, they're just not worth the same because you're not using them that turn to do anything. So I would, I'll for the most part, count cards on the board plus cards in hand. And whichever faction has the most cards available to me, I'll usually just pick that. Unless like the card, unless the faction with less cards has abilities that are much more impactful at that point in the game, for the most part, I'll lean towards more cards. And and usually what that means is I have to play my board as opposed to playing my hand. Like there's there's cases where you'll just where this happens a lot with Sanctum. You'll have four or five really big dudes, and it's like I'm just gonna trigger my dudes and play no cards from hand. And it's actually a really powerful turn because if I just like reap four times or five times, that means a lot. Like that's not, that's not something that should be, you know, brushed aside. That's how you win the game. I think there's a, there's a point like if in hockey where you get the power play, where if you've got like a five, a five stack of Sanctum guys and they don't, yeah. they don't have, they've got maybe three, three and two. You're looking at that and you have, okay, I can get five a turn where they can get three a turn. I'm just going to jam Sanctum and maybe play one card two or three times until they deal with it. And that would even yeah. set, what, but that's, what's nice about that is that even sets up your hand for having only the other two factions in it. That's how you get those nice five, six card um, Mars turns or something. Yeah. Because you could think about your board as playing a card. Like if you think about it that way, you know, in, in key forge, your, your average early hand will be a two card hand, right? And then I think your average like mid game hand will be like a three or a four card hand. So if you're able when you, when to you get, say like, hand, do you mean hand of cards you play or hand of cards you have left? Uh, hand of cards. I think it's a hand of cards you use, right? So like in any in any given composition of, of hand, right? If you draw six cards off the top of your deck, on average you're going to have a two 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 split, right? So you're just going to pick a house and have two cards. But then sometimes you'll have like a three two one split or a three three split. In which case, you're like, oh, this is better, right? Because I can play more cards. I, like, you just get to trigger more actions on a turn. Right. Sometimes you have four of a house, sometimes you have five of a house. And so one of the benefits of choosing your board over choosing your hand is if I have four or five guys on the board, not only is that a pretty solid turn because I get to use that many cards, if I'm only playing like one extra card out of my hand or maybe I discard a board wipe I don't need or something, what's going to end up happening is you're going to wipe your hand clean of all the cards that are not like the non-sanctum cards. And you might end up with like five Shadows cards or five Logos cards and eventually deal with your board because they're going to have to, right? If they don't deal with your board and you just read nonstop, you're going to win. Once they deal with your board, you're coming back with like another massive turn. And they're just going to look like, wow, 
how do you stack up such an awesome turn? Like I, I've seen that reaction a lot of times where mm-hmm. I've just picked my board three turns in a row and they're just like, you know, clawing to, to get back in the game and they finally deal with the board. And then all of a sudden I just spam out like five or six cards. And like, how do you do that? And the answer is I've been crafting my hand, right? Like I've been selecting the big turns on the board and that sets up the big turn for my hand. Whereas if you're just kind of always picking different directions, you have a whole bunch of mediocre turns. What, what's nice about even crafting that hand is it lets you hold on to the answers. This is when you end yeah. up realizing, oh, wait, I've been holding that miasma for three turns, where in the early, early game, you're playing it for the amber. After you've done your board thing a couple times, you realize, oh, I've got a six-card hand with miasma and bait and switch. This is the end game. Yeah, exactly. And, and usually when you hold on to cards, it's going to be when you already have a board, right? Like when, if and when there are exceptions to holding on to cards, it is going to be in those times when you can reliably, you know, just use your board. Because like the difference between using, say, five cards and four cards is not as, is not as bad as the difference between using three cards and two cards. Using three versus using four is, a very, is where it starts tipping for me. I guess, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is more that on any given turn, right? If you hold on to a card, you're effectively not playing a card, right? Like you're, you're using one less card on that turn where you would need to use it and you're drawing one less card. But as your boards get bigger, it's less of a big deal because when, when your boards get bigger, it, you just don't feel the pain as much, I guess is all I'm saying. So we're talking a lot about the boards getting really, really big, right? What to do when you have three or four guys out. I found in a lot of games, and sometimes this is when there's like a deck mismatch, you know, when you're in sealed and one guy gets all the creatures and the other guy gets just kind of beaten up Garbage. by a bunch of Brobnar. <laughs> Not even, yeah, pretty bad decks. Um, I think if you're yeah. behind, if you're on the other side of the table, they've got four or five guys. You need to be playing as many cards a turn. Just get four creatures out, even if one only lives. Fine, because that lets you set up those later turns and get back into the game. And it also, lets you find your answers more quickly. The, the finding the answers is the key, right? Because almost every, almost every deck has some form of a board wipe, right? And then if, you just, if you're just playing stuff, like whatever, whatever factions has the most cards, even if you're playing small creatures, what will end up happening is if nothing else, your opponent will likely use their creatures to kill your creatures, right? So if I have four Sanctum guys and you just drop out like two or three little like Dis or Shadows guys, Instead of reaping for four, there's a very good chance I'm just going to use my guys to kill your dudes. In which case, I'm not advancing my You're game not plan. reaping Amber. You're not winning the game. Yeah. I'm fine with that. That's buying me a turn. If just playing my, yeah, my yeah, dude yeah. to die bought me a turn, I'm about it. Yeah, and, and sometimes that makes sense for the, the, the control player to keep their advantage. Sometimes it, it doesn't make sense. But, the, but what happens is if they don't deal with your board, now you, you have a chance to actually build your own board and, and start to catch up on the tempo. Right. So the, there is like the, you know, that's a value decision that's probably like in another episode, but, but the key here is kind of regardless of which, like, if you're, if you're behind, you definitely just jam all the cards. If you're ahead, I think you, you pick whatever faction gives you the most actions for the most part. And oftentimes that'll be just using. I like cards plus board cards plus board is a really good, you know, simple way to, to figure out what the best objective best turn is. If you go into every game and you just have these two rules where you say rule number one, anytime I pick a faction, I am either playing or discarding every card in my hand. Mm -hmm. And then rule number two, 
on any given turn, I am picking the faction that has the most cards in hand plus cards that are ready on the board, right? If, if that is your, your analysis, for the most part, you're just immediately going to be better. That's, that's not going to solve every problem under the sun, but it's going to make you a better player if you just follow these, these two very simple rules to just get the most value on the average turn. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are very, very edge cases where you would hold on to a card like Relentless Whisper. That's, that's like you ping someone for two, and if it kills them, it steals. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's a really good example of like a good player versus bad player card. So I think, I think a good player, early game, will play that even if your opponent has no board. It still gets you no an amber for playing it. Yeah, it still gets you an amber. And a bad player will oftentimes try to hold it to try to get full value. And meanwhile, in the late game, it goes the other way. So that, that's a card where if your opponent's at like four or five amber, it sometimes makes sense to actually hold on to that card if you can't get the steal right now because you need to make sure you get the steal to prevent them from getting a key. So there are very extreme edge cases where if you're racing with your opponent, you're going to need that card to bail you out. And it could make sense to hold it. It's not going to happen very often, but that, that will sometimes determine the difference between good players and bad players. But by and large, if you're a good player and a bad player, the way that's going to be determined <laughs> is not going to be the late game situation where the good player holds onto the card. That, that's going to be decided more on the early game situation where the good player doesn't hold onto the card. They find a way to get rid of it. Yeah. You know, it's not easy to dump cards. It, it's hard to, to like draw a card and it's not optimal. And it feels bad, but I think that's part of what is going to make you good in this game is you have to develop that part of your brain that's able to just get over it. If you look at the end game deck sizes of players, the winner in a lot, in a lot of these situations is going to be the one who played more cards, who did more things. Um, and a lot of times I've, I've noticed that this, that means they have a, a smaller deck at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's the. Uh, it's not unusual for to see like if somebody just stomps somebody else. You look at the deck sizes, and the loser has clearly something that resembles a deck, and then the winner they have a pile of cards next to their discard that you're not 100 percent sure if it's their hand or their deck. <laughs> right? It's like it's <laughs> like, like three cards, and you're like, is that their archive? Yeah, yeah, like you actually like you you could mistake it for something else and you don't know what it is. That's probably if, if you find yourself doing that, you're probably already on the right track. You know, because I think it's I think it's a lot easier to start off from the point where you say, I'm gonna burn everything, right? Just like play every card I could possibly play, and then slowly reel it back to find, you know, exception cases versus being the guy that just finds any reason to hold cards and then slowly figures out ways to not hold on to cards, right? Like it's sort of it's just sort of human nature in that sense where you want to, you, you want to build up to that and not start off at that. And like bad players always start off holding cards because they, they don't want to lose cards. Nobody, nobody likes having a board wipe in their hand and saying, you know what, this card ain't going to be useful for another three turns Bye to the bin with you. No one likes doing that. Everybody hates doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so one thing, one thing I've actually also noticed about this game is that there, one thing is that they, do not punish you at all for decking out, which is a big key for, for them to tell you, you should really be playing your whole deck every game. They only gave you 36 cards. It was so easy for them to make 45. You know, they give you 15, 15, and 15, but they yep. didn't. They give you 12, 12, 12, because you're supposed to get through your whole deck every game. 
you're supposed to shuffle that deck sometimes. You're supposed to recur things. You're supposed to play like Witch of the Forest gets stuff back. Uh, time Traveler's event card shuffles your whole deck back. Uh, reverse Time, I've seen that do some crazy things where you end up playing the same card three or four times in a game just because you turned your deck upside down. Hey, so, Codameron, if you were to guess, what percentage of games do you think you reshuffle your deck and play a significant amount of the game afterwards? Like, like you, like you deck out, discard becomes your deck, you shuffle up, and you have like at least like one full turn after. If I'm not racing and I'm not getting stomped, I think it happens almost every game. But like, you'll be at two keys each when that happens. If it's a neck and neck game, and you know we've been actually kind of fighting at it a little bit, you know, there's been a little bit of steal, a little bit of you know, stop a key, make a key real sneaky. Um, I think I think I do it almost all the time. That's um, what I've noticed too. I've noticed that a lot of times, like the way games are decided between decks that are close that aren't clearly just two burn decks, it's almost every game you get through your entire deck, and then it's almost kind of on the redraws. And whoever's able to deck out first is at a massive advantage because that miasma that you burned early in the game is now back in your deck and able to be redrawn. That key charge that you dumped early is now back able to win you the game and grab your third key. Yep. Or that board weapon that you dumped on turn three is now back in your deck. And if your opponent's board is getting too bloated, you can actually, you know, reel it off. And in particular, the Brobnar board wipe and this board wipe are way more valuable late game than early game because you might not have to pay for all of those chains. So like that, that's just, but like in order to get to that point, you, you have to discard it early. And then, so if another player is held on to a couple cards, that makes all of the difference because that means the other, the player that didn't hold on to the cards gets the first reshuffle and they have the first opportunity to redraw all their answers and all those cards that are situational late game that had to get discarded. They're not back and ready to get used. Right. And also, drawing cards shed, sheds chains. Like, there is a yep. mechanic that is a punishment that rewards you for drawing cards, for playing cards and drawing cards. It should be a hint in the game design that says, you know what, you should be playing cards to draw cards. Yeah, it, it's what they want you to do, and it's what you should do. And you know what? Slinging cards is fun. That, 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 that's something everyone can agree with. Everyone and likes you get to sling a lot of cards cards in this game. I'm having fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, you, you're throwing cards out there. Um, I find that I actually tend to play new decks because I kind of like slinging cards, whereas when you have to play the same deck, you actually have to be more of a scientist. But it is fun to just be like, all right, let's crack the deck open and let's see what, the, let's see what my deck gives me and I'm just throwing cards out here. You know? I'm, having, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that part of the game too. And anyway, I think that's a lot of talk about drawing cards. I think, yep. yeah. you, I think you draw we, we cards, you play cards, you play a lot of cards, you don't hold cards. Yeah, so to recap, when it comes to any given turn, you play every single card of that faction or discard it. Also, when deciding which house to play, for the most part, you want to pick hand plus board, whichever faction has the most. That's what you're picking. And then when it comes to exceptions, start off with no exceptions and then work your way to get some exceptions or ask really good players in your area to see what they think. And that's all we have to say. You do that, you're going to be better immediately. All right. All right, yeah, this is another episode of Bouncing Death Park. We'll see you next time. Adiós.